Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 402 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her stress. What? You don't have any stress? What's wrong with you anyway? You're going to be learning so much from one of my dear, dear, dear friends and one of the most renowned stress physiologists out there. But before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our terrific friends. Our sponsor is Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. Run on over and have a little looky at the liposomal multivites for women. What the heck is liposomal? That means that it's covered with liposomes, which allow for enhanced absorption of your multivites. Most of you don't realize that you're only absorbing about 50% of what you just paid for. Uh-oh. So now it's time to rectify that situation. Run on over to solarayvitamins.com and learn more. Okay. Now, Remember, after this episode, I want you to click on iTunes, rate and review the show, because I'll be sitting here waiting to hear your feedback. My whole team just sits here, screams and yells for more feedback. Okay, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. All right, I said the stress word. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's one of my most favorite things to talk about because it's just sort of all over the place. And, you know, it's so interesting. When I was doing my work at the National Institutes of Health with my fabulous team and my mentor, Dr. George Crusos, I got wind of a, of a young researcher, Dr. Alyssa Appel, and we actually met, she probably remembers, we had lunch at a really cool place um, right here in Bethesda, and we had a chance to talk about all things stress. And I've been following her career for quite some time, and uh, lo and behold, we have yet another new book from her, and I'm so excited about this, and this is called The Stress Prescription, Seven, of course, it's a doctor, I love that part, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease. Now, who is Dr. Eppel? She is a professor and vice chair in the Department of Psychiatry. I kind of feel like a a proud mother watching her blossom like this, um, vice chair in the Department of Psychiatry. She's wincing at the University of California, San Francisco. She's also director of the Aging Metabolism and Emotions Center. Yes, there is such a thing. Associate director of the Center for Health and Community. Um, and this is associated with the National Institutes of Health, NIDDK, UC San Francisco. And she's a member of the National Academy of Medicine and past president of the Academy of Behavioral Medicine Research. And I, I could go on. Um, I'm not going to exhaust you all. Just buy the damn book and read her bio from, from there because you're going to absolutely love this. Alyssa, welcome to the Her Podcast, girlfriend. Oh, Pam, I am just beaming right now. Just so excited to be here to talk to you and the gift you have been to women's health over all these years is just priceless. I'm I'm also proud of you and what you have been providing to us, focusing on 
women's health, the bare truth. I love it. And oh no, no question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about the naked truth. Naked truth. Um, yes. Got to get to it. <laughs> Got to get to it. So you know, you your your first book, which you wrote with the Nobel laureate um, over at UC San Francisco. Uh, you know, this was Elizabeth Blackburn and um, the telomere uh, effect um, was a phenomenal um, piece, no question about it. Um, and uh, this one uh, is all about your favorite topic, which is, you know, stress per se. What really pushed you to do this? Why, why this book? This was most definitely a pandemically pushed book. So you are right. Stress is my favorite topic. I am, I say, I like to say that I am both a stress researcher and a stressed researcher. So for many reasons, I tend toward the high end of stress living and have constantly been fascinated with understanding emotions and the mind-body connection and how I can use that to be, temp you know, tempering and muting and moderating my tendencies toward high stress. And boy, you know, I have needed this, the strategies in this book as much as anyone. So early on, my uh, literary agent, Doug Abrams, came to me and said, we need a book called The Stress Prescription. We need really simple, down-to-earth techniques that are science-based. Who's going to write this? <laughs> and I could not say no to that. It was so exciting and tempting. Such a challenge to say, okay, I've been studying stress for 20 years. What's useful? What do we know for sure? What do we want to tell the public who is not going to read a you know 400-page science book on stress? They want to know bottom line. I love it. Okay. So that all makes sense to me. Um, my question then is, you know, and, and I was discussing this with some of my team members and they said the word resilience, you know, what does that actually mean? Because there was a little, you know, we were having a little debate. Some people said, oh, some people are just born to be resilient. You know, they pop out of the womb and they're like, you know, go ahead, just throw it at me. I can handle it. And other people are like, mm, maybe not so much. So what is what is that whole issue of resilience? Because I've seen that myself. I, I see people go through, holy hell, and I'm like, how do you navigate that? That is just crazy. Um, at the same time, I see other people literally crumble you know, with the least amount of, of stress. And and so try to give us a little bit of the science behind that. It's a really important word, concept, stress resilience. We all need it. And yes, we come out of the womb with different levels of temperament. And that means some of us are more vulnerable to stress on day one. And so it's just so important to understand this is not, something to be, um, you know, merit-based and proud of. And it's like, just know your temperament, know how sensitive you are if you're one of those people, and then build, build your environment around that so that you can live well. So you're absolutely right. We can't all temper the same storms in the same way. And we know that the epigenetics for trauma are passed through the generations. And we may be born 
with genes methylated that say, guess what? You are stress sensitive. You had nothing to do with that, but that's how you came out. Respect it. Live with it be self-compassionate and kind, don't put yourself in certain situations. So there's that, right? There's the kind of, we're all different from the start. And then there really are skills that we can learn and use to promote daily stress resistance. So I, I will just put them in certain buckets. So one is how do we deal with stress in the moment? What are some mind hacks? What are some tricks so that we can rein in that kind of exaggerated hot stress response that really wipes us out and exhausts us. And then there's how do we hold ourselves when nothing stressful is happening? Can we can we turn down the notch on our nervous system? Can we actually feel more ease and relaxation when nothing's happening? Because the truth is that's when a lot of us hold stress. It's not in the middle of coping with something, but it's like all the other times, we're still holding on to stress. So we need to look at that and, and release and let go of unconscious and built up stress in our body. And then the third point is, oh, to build stress resilience, we actually need to go deep into restoration mode. And that brings in all those mind-body practices. There's so many to choose from. You've got to have one of them. We just rip ourselves off of deep rest time. We get so little of it. There, I go through weeks where I get zero. I mean, okay, we all get sleep, and deep sleep certainly counts as restoration and, and is the most restorative time for our brain. So that is what we're each getting at least some of. But if we're leading these really high-stress days and we're not monitoring and, and trying to give ourselves breaks, where we're getting more sleep too. So it's all one package. What do we carry around? It affects us during the day and during the night. Gotcha. Everyone out there, you also know that uh, I'm an epigenetic freak. Um, that was um, especially noted in my last book, um, The Hunger Fix, which is really about stress eating and addictive-like um, eating behaviors, as we've seen um, noted in the Yale studies. But... Um, what that really means is that stuff happens to you. You know, you, you have a baseline genetic profile, but then things happen to you. And, and that's the fancy way of simply saying that whether it's in utero, whether it's early in life, um, you know, it, it can uh, establish uh, an environment within which you either become more stress resilient. Um, the the whole issue of trauma, you know, I'm a crazy person about that, um, PTSD and all the rest of it, um, that can really profoundly affect um, the, the expression of your own genes, um, especially when it occurs early in life. Uh, so I'm so glad you, you brought that up. You know, in your book, um, you know, training for, you, you have a chapter, a train for resilience, which I think is a great, great chapter. You have this one part and I, I just love it. It's quite provocative and it is the good kind of stress and where to get it. You start with a sentence, your body loves, that's a little italicized there, loves acute stress. Huh? Right? And so I understand that, but I need you to explain, you know, to our wonderful audience out there in the Her Podcast land, 
What do you mean by that? Mm, it's a really good question. It's one of the most important take-home points. We need to understand not all stress is bad and break it up in terms of acute manageable stress and the chronic toxic stress that wreaks havoc on our on our health. And so our stress, our beliefs about stress, our stress mindset tend to be negative. Stress is hurting me, stress is harmful, stress is making me perform worse. So all of that can be true with a chronic stress. But really, if we understand stress can energize us, can help us thrive, grow, perform better, those are all the positive aspects of acute stress. The acute stress response can facilitate our performance. And inside of our cells, it can speed up and activate the cleanup process, the cleanup crew for our, our cellular functioning. And so let's, let's go through the body part first. That's the easier part. We know from so many different studies on cells and worms and flies and when we zap little organisms or cells with acute stress, whether it's UV or chemicals or heat, these little uh, cells turn on anti-aging programming, clean up junk like free radicals, misfolded proteins, and they live longer. You can heat up a worm a little bit and get a long-lived worm. You can heat it up too much and you have a worm funeral. So there's an inflection point. It's not just that, uh, it's, it's that moderate short-term stress can be good for the body and also can actually, ha has all sorts of positive effects on us living well, living more deeply. Um, you know, the stress response creates a party in the brain that can help us focus and problem solve and do things we couldn't do otherwise. Um, so one thing I'll just point out is when we believe this, when we believe, okay, I'm starting to feel a big stress response come on, we can go two directions. We can go, oh crap, I'm going to fail. I can't think. This is terrible. And that's the positive feedback loop for a, a negative, uh, threatening stress response that can truly make that come true. It can over flood us with stress hormones. It can make us not think clearly because we're in such threat mode. We're not getting a lot of blood to our brain. We're getting a lot to our limbs so we can run and flee. The other option is we can think, ah, bring it on. My body's excited. Stress, this stress response is helping me. And that actually promotes the more positive hemodynamic or cardiovascular response so that we're getting more blood to our brain, we are able to think better. Okay, so you have a part of this chapter that sings to me. What you may not know, um, Alyssa, is that I'm on the board of trustees of the American College of Sports Medicine. I'm also a senior Olympic triathlete by now. Um, senior meaning that you have to you have to qual by being 50 years old or greater. And uh, so there are some positive things. And so you know where I'm going to go with this one. So when you say to you, know, she's like, okay, train for resilience, train, that little word train. So today's practice, 
A Shot of Healthy Stress. This is right out of her book, everyone. This is so great. So it's a, it's wonderful. Um, use your stress response for health and longevity. So immediately I'm hungrily looking where she's gonna start saying those magic words. Ah, she did. Ah, it's high intensity interval training. <laughs> I knew it. It's that little four letter something, you know, phrase. Yeah, yeah. So there it is. So here we have, you said, you know, you, you, you want to warm up that worm and that worm will live longer. Well, you know, you want to feel a little warm people out there. You know, you know, I've ranted and raved with so many guests about the high intensity interval training, which can be as simple as a 30 second sprint of something as it were. Um, or, you know, if you're using your kettlebells, you know, I'm a kettlebell queen, um, just pick that little Hummer up and, and can you give me about 30 seconds of deadlifts that'll make you cry? Absolutely. Um, and so there's no worm funeral here because you're not going to overheat. Um, you're just going to be keeping this under control. And there's so many great ways to do this. There are great trainers out there. Um, and YouTubes and wonderful resources. And so I love the fact that you brought up um, HIT, which is so important. And, you know, especially for women, hello, women, knock, knock. Okay, listen to me. No more just zombie walking. Well, I did my walk today, and, and you're proud of this. Um, no, come on now, pick it up. You know, give it a little bit more oomph. Um, and then um, on certain days of the week, really give it oomph like increase the speed you see that hill don't run away just you know attack that you know hill make it make it happen that's what you mean isn't that Alyssa? <laughs> oh yes and i'm excited to talk to you about this because i had to include hit it's the most you know potent or magical effect we have on metabolizing stress in our body stress buffering quick short powerful period. People have shown that it reduces the emotional stress response, the rumination, the cortisol response. So there's no question that as we develop fitness in our body, we're training our nervous system and our mind towards stress fitness. But you and I are at opposite spec on the spectrum, Pam. So you have it as a habit, you're extremely fit, and I am constantly falling off the wagon with, with exercise. So we all know it's good for us. And you can say it's doing all these things, but why is it that you're regular or even addicted to it? And what do you have to offer those of us who are like, yeah, it feels really good when I do it, but getting there and making it a habit is really the obstacle. Yeah, boy, if I had a nickel every time I was asked that question. And, you know, uh, we have a board meeting uh, this week um, with uh, the American College of Sports Medicine. And we constantly, this is always on our mind, the back of our minds. Um, and so I'm going to keep it real simple. Here's the way it goes, right? What you do is you find something that you're interested in. Like I was like fascinated with kettlebells, you know, I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. And, and I'm wanting to mix it up a little bit. Um, they're hard work, um, but you get it over with quickly. I'm one of those, can we just get this over with quickly? Um, so I think a lot of people think that they have to live in a gym somewhere 
and they have to spend way too much time and then there's this brutal workout and all no 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 not at all buy yourself for 20 bucks or uh, god knows what it is today but um some rubber tubing very simple um the rubber tubing comes in four different resistances and it, it has like um jump rope kind of handles um and uh use it um spry tubing is some is a is a group that um i really like spri um and you know when i'm standing in my office for interminable hours um you know staring at a computer screen and all the rest of it i will you know take intermittent breaks and i'll just you know use the uh tubing to be able to do some triceps work to do some chest work to you know i'm at a standing desk i'm standing as we speak um and just intermittently give yourself a little juicing Boom. I love it, Pam. Yeah. That is the answer. As long as we wear deodorant, right? We can do these things regardless of our clothes and where we are at. Yeah, we you, use you little know, blips. And, and you're not going to sweat that much. I mean, you don't even sweat, really. What you do is you definitely feel your muscles. And here's the thing, you know, um, women out there, please. Uh, it's very important to realize that you want to do some of this as, and I quote, hard work. That's how you actually stimulate your muscles. And I'll, I'll give you just one last piece of this, um, you know, Alyssa, and that is that you have to plan for the future. Your muscles need constant stimulation. And if they're gonna carry you all the way through your 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond, yeah, that's why intermittently doing things is like, I'm gonna prepare for a marathon, I'll run once a month. No, that's not really the way that works. Um, you have to kind of consider, but not every day. If a day goes by, whatever, nobody died. Right, but and just, in fact, you know, the, the recommendations for HIT are, you know, three times a week max. I mean, if you're doing like a 20 minute intense HIT workout. Right. So it's really not every day, but the little blips you're talking about could be every day. I love it. I have the same advice for every technique. Every daily habit that I suggest in the book is all about small nudges done frequently. That's what adds up. That's what shifts our body, mind body state. That's what adds up for healthy aging. And you and know what it also for, does, yeah. Alyssa? It kind of gives you a little teaser. You're like, damn, this wasn't that bad. And wait a minute, I'm starting to look a little toned here. And then you're kind of curious, like, what happens if I step it up a little bit? And, you know, and it's kind of cool stuff. Now, you have option two, which is kind of wild. Turn the dial to cold. Tell us about it. Yeah, I think that stressing out the body with acute stress that's not necessarily aerobic is an option that we don't even know about or realize helps our mood, helps our aging. And so we call this hormetic stress, that's short-term intermittent stress to the body. We've learned all this from those worm studies, et cetera. <laughs> but there's been lots of human studies by now on things like sauna, hyperthermia, increase your core body temperature for short periods, several times a week, 15 minutes or less. So these really create changes in our body and brain, reducing you know, we might get a short-term blip of inflammation, but we're, the 
the point is that it's during the recovery, our body is recalibrating and resetting us to be stress resilient. The cold showers are very similar. It's a, it's a different immediate response. In the end, it's the same positive stress response that leaves us feeling less stressed and our cells are more cleaned out. So the Wim Hof method is one I've been been looking at and studying cold showers and extreme breathing. Um, not everyone can exercise. Some people are have disabilities. Uh, some people just are not going to exercise. So we need these options. Huh. Okay. So I I really kind of like the cold thing um, under the appropriate circumstances. I'm not a real cold kind of person, but I don't mind taking a nice you know walk in the winter and all that silliness. Um, but um, quite frankly, I much prefer to, uh, you know, heat it up, as you always say. And <laughs> Most so of us I, prefer the heat, yeah, I know. yes. Well, just give me that little sauna and make me a one, one very, very happy um, woman. Okay, so I get that part. Now, um, you know, you you also talk about troubleshooting. And, and I thought this section was very important because, quite frankly, you know, things happen in life. So if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with anxiety, talk to us. First, I'm going to make a, have a big sigh and say, we know that aerobic exercise, including HITS, short, inefficient, treats depression. It really relieves depressive symptoms. There's a tremendous review on the John W. Brick Foundation website there's 350 studies, most of them positive, showing exercise helps depression. The problem is, the big sigh is that when you're depressed, that's like the last thing in the world you want to do. How do you go from being sedentary, feeling bad in your body, to moving, which actually makes you feel worse at the very beginning if you're unfit? But you got so you got to get over the hurdle. And so we're you know, starting studies on this. Eli Putterman at U University of British Columbia is doing studies on this. How can we help people with anxiety and depression start moving? And I believe that yoga is a fabulous bridge because it feels good and it can move toward being aerobic, but you start off with gentle movements, which is right where the body is at when we're depressed, um, right? where a sweet spot to start at and work up. And so I think the problem is that we think we need to jump into aerobic exercise. That's more of where we want to end up. We need support. I mean, when you were talking about how to do these things throughout your work day or your day at home, I I think having the cues in front of us, having the rubber bands, uh, the bike, whatever it is, you know, having a certain time we need to take the pet outside. But when it comes to doing something for, you know, let's just say a 20 minute session or taking a brisk walk, we need to have social support. We need a partner. If you can call a girlfriend and set up a support system or do it with them, that is, that works. I mean, all the studies show that having a, a partner and having accountability is so helpful. 
I love that. And I I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to uh, be a little gender specific here. And that is, you know, given the fact that this is the Her podcast um, and all the women out there are listening going, hmm, well, I know what the hmm's coming from. And that is the fact that, um, and, and this takes me back to when I was hosting the National Body Challenge for the Discovery Channel, we had this hysterical situation where we had men and women, you know, um, all of whom were um, very out of shape, uh, obese, etc. And uh, it was very interesting. Men, you know, I'm going to be a little bit global here, um, but men, in my uh, experience, um, find that when they decide to make a change, like, okay, this is ridiculous, you know, I'm 100 pounds, you know, obese, and I, I got to turn this sucker around, they, they really approach it with curiosity. So they stand on a scale and they look down and they go, wow, you know, it's, just, it's a lot of weight there, you know, and, and it's hysterical. Um, and so uh, in, instead of freaking out and going, you know, I'm an idiot, you know, what? Oh, my goodness. And look at me. And then they shame and blame and horrible. No, they just sort of take notes and then there's metrics and they go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to plan on about a you know, 10 pound weight, you know, reduction over the first month and this and that. Um, women are going to listen to you and I, and they're going to go, that's all fine and dandy. I look at myself in the mirror and I want to just, you know, cry. It's all I want to do. It's like, how did I get here? I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm unattractive. I can't get into any damn clothes. The whole thing is pretty crazy what it is. And so there's like this extra hump, this, this extra hurdle that a woman has to go through. And I usually just try to have women think a little bit more like guys in this regard. And that is approach yourself with curiosity and with self-compassion. Mm -hmm. And just Absolutely. say, just say, look, stuff happens. I mean, come on now. I mean, anyone who didn't end up looking pretty funkadelic after the COVID, you know, two-year thing, you know, hadn't learned to live. <laughs> I mean, come on. Everyone yeah, looked down and go, "What? what is this yeah. thing that grew around my waist? I, I think it's your yeah. abdomen, I'm just saying. Um, Even us skinny it, people, it happens. Yep. Everybody. <laughs> and, and you get out of shape and yep. your body fat picks up. Right. You don't have to be obese. So to let have, me um, ask you, know? you, because you are the person to ask with the naked truth about women's health, about sex. You probably can fill in this picture more. When we don't like our body, when we are overweight and are really negative about our body image, it also affects sexual activities, sex life, um, sensuality. And what I learned is that there is a literature on orgasms and masturbation, and they do reduce stress. And in fact, it's a main reason why women masturbate. And so what I'm wondering is what you can tell us about our, you know, our sexuality and how to, can we use self-compassion, self-acceptance? How can we embrace our sexuality when we're feeling bad about our body? Well, you know, if, if you have a partner in your life, right, it really helps to have an understanding partner. I mean, that is really essential um, because otherwise, if you have someone who's shame blaming you and pointing and saying, you know, like, what, what up with that? You know, you're up 30 pounds or, you know, whatever the situation is, that is never going to work. 
Okay, so it really helps to have an open, transparent, authentic conversation and communication with whomever that is in your life, whether it's a, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it's, um, you know, uh, whether you're married or lifelong partner, whatever the issue is, you got to have a conversation. Now, that being said, um, just you all by your little lonesome have to stare in the mirror. Now, when you stare in the mirror, what do you actually say to yourself? Um, you are not the mirror. You are a, a rich, amazing, robust, vibrant human being with complexities and so much to give and so much to share. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, how, through what lens are you seeing? Are you seeing it through the lens of social media pictures, all of which are all, you know, doctored anyway? Are you doing it through the lens of magazines and other stuff? What are you doing here? What are you most proud of? You know, I'm in the Senior Olympics and, you know, uh, for people 50 and over, and you've got these amazing bodies. And, you know, I remember talking to a track and field um, world record holder uh, who was a, a guy and it was hysterical. You know, he would just, he just crushed some record. But as you get older, you get a little bit more of a hang on your belly, nothing ridiculous, but it, it's just part of that testosterone change and all the rest of it. And, and he, and he kind of laughed, you know, when I asked him, I said, how do you feel on the overall? He says he grabbed his little tiny little thing around his belly. He goes, you know, this sucker took me to a world record today. He said, this is who I am. I'm 70 years old and I crushed it. Um, and this is the way I look. Well, then I went over and I had a conversation with, um, a woman who's a hurdler and she is a world record holder too, someone I know extremely well. And she said exactly the same thing. She said, my wrinkles and, and a little bit of the extra fat here and there certainly didn't stop me from breaking a world record. What am I telling you? What I'm trying to say is that what are you? Are you someone who is a phenomenal mother phenomenal professional in whatever you do. Think of those things, be grateful for those things, and then say to yourself, well, I wanna optimize my health and well-being, and that includes my body. And so is there anything else I might be able to do approaching it like a professional, say for instance, what else can I do to further refine this? Because quite frankly, I'm very proud of myself. When you have that level of pride, then that whole feeling of sensuality, sexuality, assuming you have, you know, a partner that that also is swinging with the program with you, you've got a winning situation. So it really starts with you and your sense of worth, your sense of who you are and pride and all the rest of it. And then, you know, if you're talking about including another person in the sexuality, sensuality, that person really has to be swinging with the program right along with you. So it, it, it kind of looks like that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I'll add that given what we know about, about sex, self-pleasuring, orgasm, it's a health behavior that we've ignored. If I were a women's health doctor, I would be writing prescriptions 
um, asking women to go right there rather than wait till you love your body, et cetera. Because I think the arrow goes both ways. Well, you're no I question. Think that we- no question mm-hmm. about it. And, and, you know, utilizing things like, you know, vibrators, et cetera, of absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it, it's something that's exquisitely, you know, once you've, you know, once you're post-orgasmic, then you feel calm and amazing and the endorphins and it just, it's all very good stuff. I'm kind of laughing a little bit because a lot of people, you know, didn't think this was true about women. And there's a, there's a, a, a group, um, two uh, former Target executives, two women who started a company called Woman S that I know very well. And uh, so they, you know, skin products and, you know, stuff for perimenopause, menopause and all that. And so I was talking to them after they had launched and they were laughing their heads off when I asked the question, wow, what's your number one product being sold and everything? You know, I was thinking like, is it the moisturizer, the serum that, you know, she goes, no, it's the vibrator. I said, excuse me, <laughs> you know, and not even, yeah. ca- they can't even keep the damn thing in, in stock. That's awesome. It's hysterical. I, I knew, yeah, I knew I could rely on you to talk about this topic that should not be tabooed, but we don't talk about it. No, enough. it's it's the healthy, <laughs> one of the healthiest things you could possibly do for yourself. And it's about time we got it out there, you know, in the open so we can all really talk about that in a, in, in a really, again, transparent way. Come on, this is normal, natural living in a woman's life. Okay, right. notice in I said- In one of our studies- Go ahead. Yeah, we were, we, we had- we're measuring sleep, so we had to know if they were having any sexual intimacy, which could disrupt sleep. And so we had all this data. We decided to analyze this on um, women who had were, you know, sexually active. What we found was that those couples, or at least women who were sexually active, had longer telomeres than the women who weren't. We only looked at a, uh, a week of their life, but we still found this effect. And we looked at the men and we found a similar effect. So, um, you know, I'll just say it's a correlation, it's not causal, but it was very interesting. And it was a bigger effect than the stress effect. <laughs> Better living through your own chemistry is all I can say, Alyssa. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's absolutely true. You know, everyone out there in the Her Podcast land, I mean, this book is so fabulous. It's just chock full of this. Um, all of this wonderful science, storytelling, because you know that's the way to do it. And I have one last question. Why did you say seven days, not 10 or 13, seven days to more joy and ease? Why did you decide to go with seven? We, I have two answers for that. The first answer is that we think of our life in the unit of a day. We have this moment, which we want to pay attention to. It's the only, you know, moment we can control really. And then we have a day and we ask ourselves, you know, what did we, um, how was it? Was it a good day? What did we learn? What can we reflect on? And using those strategies of thinking back over our day and asking ourselves, did something go better than predicted? Also, just our mood at the end of the day is really important and it reflects um, how stressed we've been 
or how much we've had a good, deep social connection with someone. So we study the day in my lab and in lots of research now. It's all about daily, you know, kind of pinging people and finding out their mood at different times of the day and understanding the unit of a day. And so when we understand that what we do today matters, it's a low bar. It's a lot easier to add something. I want people to add even just one strategy from that book because if you add it every day, it will significantly improve the quality of your life. If we can improve our mental health and feel more joy, that is going to change everything. Now, the seven days um, is a little bit of a, but you know, again, a bite size that people can manage. And while I could have thought of a month of, you know, tips, really, we just kind of boiled it down to the fundamentals. And then my second answer is simply, well, um, you know, the pu- the publisher and the agent, they were looking for a seven-day book series. So there's a book, there are two other books, the, se- um, the Sleep Prescription and the Love Prescription, and they also broke it down to seven-day plans. But, you know, really, they're just take one day, whatever day calls to you, and practice that. And that is the, you know, the prescription for you is what calls to you, is what fits fits like a glove for you. You don't have to do all seven. Okay, now I've got one thing you have to do. I have all my guests do this, and they're they're ready for it. Here it comes. All right, what are you going to say to this happy camper? She is a 50-year-old woman, uh, successful professional in her own right, you know, and she has just struggled with, with stress management most of her life. And now she's looking at you saying, I just think it's too late. I don't think I know how to do this at all. That's a beautiful question. And the answer is, it's absolutely never too late. Right now in this moment, we can do something to reduce our stress, bring our nervous system more into balance and feel more ease. And so, for example, if we did some slow breathing together, that's a direct route, changing the body, changes the mind. If I ask you, tell me three things you're grateful for in your life, that will increase your positive affect. So even for people who are very older, we can change our health in brief periods. We can change our mood. It's never too late. Excellent. It's never too late. You better hear that out there. I say it all the time, but you don't believe me. So I have to have everyone else say it, (laughs) you know, but seriously, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. Everyone, we've been talking to Dr. Alyssa Appel and uh, she is uh, with UC San Francisco and a professor and vice chair in the department of psychiatry. And all I can say is that gift yourself and people you know in your life with this marvelous book, The Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy 
and ease. Absolutely fabulous. Alyssa, thank you for being on the Her Podcast. Oh, Pam, so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your generous support. Your positive words mean so much to me. Oh, right back at you, girlfriend. Okay, now everyone out there, take a minute, hit iTunes, rate and review the show. I want to hear from you. And then once again, a shout out to our sponsors, Solaray Vitamins. We've been talking about stress so much. You better check out Sharp Mind. Um, with the Solar A vitamins as well as the B stress, and that's vitamin B stress, time release, PM, and as well as the B stress with iron and zinc, especially if you're still having your menstrual cycle. Okay, run on over to solaray.com to learn more. Listen, I am Dr. Pam Peak, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, all of the larger platforms. It's everywhere. Thanks for listening today. Please stay safe and stay well.